I'm excited about Mother's Day. I, I'm excited because I, I love celebrating my wife. I love celebrating my mother. I love, uh, I love the idea of Mother's Day because about 100 years ago, a little over 100 years ago, as a matter of fact, in 1908, Anna Jarvis began to petition the idea of celebrating mothers. And in 1914, uh, the United States made an official holiday to celebrate mothers for Mother's Day. And the first official celebration happened in a church. Amen? Isn't that a great place to celebrate mothers? I believe that the word of God is so clear whenever it comes to paying honor to our mothers. And that's exactly what I want to do this morning is to honor our mom. And we think about, we think about this to ourselves. What exactly is a mom? A mom is so many things. And there are so many roles that moms play. They're, they're, the, uh, they're the chief cooks, the head chefs. Uh, they, they do the laundry, they do the cleaning, they do, um, they do, uh, uh, they're the chief kisser of boo-boos, that happens in our house, chief kisser of boo-boos, they are, they are uh, many times are uh, bookkeepers and accountants, uh, they do the taxes sometimes, they do, uh, they, they, they just, they do, they, they're the taxi drivers, they, they do everything that it takes in order to make life happen for the family. And it would be wonderful if we just stopped right now and honored them for their commitment, their dedication in serving us in those ways. But, but I don't want just to honor them for the things that they, they do, the roles that they play like that. I, I think there's something deeper and more abiding to honor our mothers for on this Mother's Day. And today I wanna honor our moms for their ability to pass on the faith that God has put into their heart to their kids and to their grandkids because I believe that is their number one job. If you believe that, say amen with me. Amen. God has put a faith down deep in their heart that is abiding, that is so special and so pure that we ought to honor our moms for having that kind of faith. And today I wanna challenge you all across this room, if you're a mother, I want to challenge you to pass that faith that God has given you down to your kids and to your grandkids and to those that you mother, whether you have children or not, and pass those on to, to everyone, that faith on to everyone around you. And if you're here this morning and you're not a mom, maybe you're a dad or you're, you're a, a, a child, a student, I challenge you for this, that you take on that faith that your mother is trying to give to you. That you hold on to it and you allow it to grow in your heart and in your life just like she's praying it over you this morning. Amen? Today, as you turn in your Bibles with me to, uh, to 1 Samuel, uh, let's see, 1 Samuel uh, uh, chapter 1, I, I want to prepare our hearts this morning uh, to read this incredible account of a mother. But before we get there, I want to tell you a little bit about the background of this book, and I want to tell you about Hebrew culture. First of all, the background of this book is simple. This book is simply about three great men. Three great men. You have the prophet Samuel, you have the first king of Israel, and you have the greatest king of Israel, David. Now, when we talk about great men, I've often heard this statement, that if you want, um, that, that God uses great men, but 
for a great man to be a great man, he has to have a really great woman. Anybody agree with that statement? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of hands going up there. You know, the truth of the matter is this, that God uses this opportunity to launch, to propel the kingship of all of Israel. He starts it with a really great woman, and her name is Hannah. Now, as we pick up this story, we find out something very critical. Hannah is married to a man named Elkanon, and Elkanon loves Hannah, and Hannah loves him. The problem is, is that she is childless. She is not able to conceive. And we find out that, really, in um, Israel's culture, it was so important for a, a woman to be able to bear a child, to have a child. It, it was viewed as a blessing. And as a matter of fact, through all of our account in history, we see that when God wants to bless his people, he always causes them to, to multiply. But, but it is absolutely a blessing to be able to have children. As a matter of fact, when we, when we look in our lives, in our culture, I believe that one of the most wonderful things that uh, that we can do and an opportunity to turn our nation around is to begin to have as many kids as we can and raise them up in a godly uh, generation and culture, Tra teach them and train them, amen? Some of the husbands out there are like, yeah, amen. <laughs> but I, I think that it's so important also to see the, the counter to that. In Hebrew culture, it was viewed as a curse not to be able to have children. It was viewed as a curse because um, because mothers felt so desperate to try to have children because the law stated at that time that if you weren't able to have children within five years, it was grounds for a divorce. But many times the, the husband did not uh, pursue a divorce because the law also gave them an opportunity to have a second wife in order to, to uh, carry children for him. It was like that through, all, through that culture. And of course, when Hannah struggled with this, Elkanon went out and married another woman. Uh, and this woman's name was Panina. Now, with a name like that, she must have been kind of pretty. So she was able to have children and that relationship was celebrated, and, it, and Panina saw how hurtful this was to Hannah. And instead of coming alongside of her to, to be kind and loving and nice to support her, she never missed an opportunity to twist that knife and to wrench her heart. She, the Bible tells us that, that Panina provoked Hannah in these moments. And there's never a moment that's worse than whenever you get all the family together and you take a long trip. Anybody ever fight in the car when you're on a long trip? Yeah. And, and in this moment, it was pretty typical for, for the whole family to gather together and go uh, to a time of worship and celebration. So the family gathered together, Panina, all of her children, Elkanon, and then, of course, Hannah. And this just hurt Hannah because she traveled with this family and she saw the beauty of the, the kids and the interaction. And it just it, it it grieved her so much. The Bible tells us that she didn't even eat or drink, and Elkanon was worried about her. Said, "Hey, don't you, don't you love me too? Come on, you, you love me. Why don't you just go ahead and eat?" And so she started eating, but it was just grieving 
inside of her because she wasn't able to have kids. I want to share with you this, though, this morning. That there are many people that are not able to, to have kids. There are many people that are struggling with being able to have children. My wife and I, for many, many years, struggled to be able to have children. And we know personally what, how it feels to be grieved. We know personally how it feels to wonder and wish and pray and to be grieved. As a matter of fact, statistics tell us that one out of every eight women struggle with this. That's 7.3 million people across the United States that are dealing with some type of infertility. And as people go through this moment, it can feel like, like it's a time of testing and curse. But I want to encourage you this morning to let you know that there's something else that's going on here, that Christ, um, Christ makes you feel worthy in these moments. And in fact, Christ is the only thing that can make you feel worthy. If you were here at the tea party, my wife so eloquently helped us to understand that it's not anything else in life, including children, that cause you to be worthy, but it's Christ and Christ alone. As a matter of fact, there are many people, many women in the Bible that struggle with infertility. And I'll, I want to share some of those with you. Sarah, a wife of Abraham and mother of Isaac. Rebecca, wife of Isaac and mother of, and, of Jacob and Esau. Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife and mother of Joseph and Benjamin. Ruth, she was childless and she adopted Naomi, her, her daughter-in-law. And Elizabeth, of course, wife of Zachariah and mother of John the Baptist. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, listen, they obviously didn't struggle with childlessness for very long. Well, that's not true. They did. And it was a blessing and it was a move and a miracle of the Lord to allow them to conceive because they were all heart-wrenched about not being able to bear those children or losing the children that they had. And I want to share with you this. If you are in the middle of this, if you're grieved, maybe you're grieved privately and no one knows, I want to share with you that, number one, God may be preparing you right now to be a parent and you don't even know it. God may be moving in your life and in your body and you don't even know it. Number two, God may be preparing you to be a foster mom, foster parent. Did you know right now that there are more foster children available to be adopted than there are people that are struggling with infertility? And finally, number three, that God may, be, that God may have a very special work for you to do, and having children will preclude you from being able to accomplish that goal, that task. I want to take a moment right now in this, in this place just to say a word and a prayer over each and every couple and each and every woman that is struggling right now. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that the power of your Holy Spirit and the comfort that you would provide would come in a, in a way that would offer peace that passes all understanding to the, the heart of a couple and the heart of a mother that is struggling. Right now, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them and do a work in their life, Lord, that would allow them to experience the love of a mother. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. But no matter what category of these things that Hannah would find herself in, she was dedicated to trust God in that moment. And that's why whenever she was so hurt and so grieved, 
on this family vacation that she ran into the temple and got alone with God. The Bible says that she was praying fervently, that she was filled with emotion. And that's where we pick up this passage of scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. The, and she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and, and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. Verse 20. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. For she said, I asked the Lord for him. Amen. Heavenly Father, open our hearts to receive your word this morning so that it will make an eternal impact for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How many of you know that Hannah had some faith right there? Hannah had some faith. She went and she knew exactly what she was going to do about it. She knew exactly that she needed to take her concern to the Lord. And I believe this morning that each and every one of us need to possess the kind of faith that Hannah had to come to the Lord with every prayer and every concern in their life. I think it's pretty amazing that a baby knows the sound of their mother's voice before they're even born. I think this is incredible um, that, that while they're still in their mother's womb, the Bible says that God knit them together so delicately and gently. But that baby, uh, that, by the way, is a baby before it's born. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. And, and that baby can hear and understand and listen to that tone of that mother's voice and receives comfort in that moment. And that carries on after that baby is born to my frustration. We had four kids, man, and only one of them has been easy. The rest of them have been little boogers. And whenever it's my turn to wake up in the middle of the night and, and be with them, I, I mean, I'll do anything. I'll sit there and rock them, bounce them, pat them, kind of swaddle them is what I'll say. trying to get this little guy to sleep. And you know what happens? Nothing. Give him a little bottle and he'll sit there and drink it, drink it, drink it. I'll think he's okay. And I'll go to lay him down. He starts crying. It's so frustrating. And in the middle of the night, Claudia will hear this. She'll see that I'm getting frustrated. She'll get up. And you know what she does? She says, come here, baby. And before that little kid even leaves my arms, that baby just stops crying and acts like I've been abusing it all night long. And it makes me so mad. But there's something about the love that a mother has. And it's something about that voice that a little, a little child understands and understands that there is comfort and love. And it's a genuine, compassionate love. Not like the love of a father that will rough him up a little bit. But I want you to know that if that mother loves the Lord with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength, if that mother is a praying mother, 
then there's something more than a voice that comes out of her that provides love, support, and compassion. It's the spirit of the Holy Spirit that comes, that exudes from that mother and allows that child to understand not just an earthly type of love, but a heavenly type of love. And there's power in that. How many of you are glad that you had a praying, spirit-filled mother this morning? You know that there are a lot of words of wisdom that our mothers would like to share with us. Some of those words are always wear clean underwear in case you get into an accident. Words of wisdom. Always check your teeth before you leave the house to make sure you don't have any food in them. If you can't say something nice, Stand up straight, don't slouch. Make your bed every morning so you can start the day off right. All these things are, are important points that our mothers have always tried to impart to us. But there's something more that a mother can do to impart wisdom into who we are, to impart God's spirit into us. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I have given you today. That's the individual expression and command that God has given to Israel. And that is such an important component that most Christians understand that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But watch this. Very rarely do we get to verse 7. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road and when you're going to bed and when you are getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Ladies and gentlemen, God expects us not only as individuals to love him, but to carry on that love and that faith from generation to generation by repeating his commands and our testimonies over and over and over again in the daily course of life. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, don't worry, take them to church. Have the children's pastor teach them. Is that what the Bible says? Whatever you do, make sure Caleb's playing on your radio. Is that what the Bible says? No. The Bible says it's our responsibility, our command to repeat over and over God's commands and pass our faith from one generation to the next. And you know what else it says? It says to do that in our daily interactions, in our daily to-dos, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up, when you're on your way, put them on your hands. Put them on your foreheads. I'm not sure what that means. Put, put them on the posts and the gates of your house. And then it'll ensure that this generation knows something about God and his love for them. I wonder who it is that puts the children to bed. I think mom's there most of the time. I wonder who it is that helps get the kids up out of bed. There it is. Mom's there again making lunches, making sure that everything is ready for the day. I wonder who it is that has that little Hobby Lobby sign that she bought with the Bible verse that she's been asking you, Dad, to put up in the living room for about three days now. It's mom. She is the one 
that is so ingrained with passing faith down from one generation to another generation. You see, and they do it every day without fail so faithfully. Moms don't serve for the thanks, although sometimes they think that they need and they should get a little bit of thank, thanks every now and then. But they do it for something something more, more certain. They do it because of the love that they have for their children, a love that has been placed in their heart by God. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 tells us, this is Paul speaking to a young pastor that needs a little bit of encouragement. I remember your genuine faith, for, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. How many of you know that it's important to pass your faith down from one generation to the next? As a matter of fact, it was not that that young man, Timothy, got up out of his mother and grandmother's house and went on and first came to faith and then grabbed a hold of his faith and took it and became a pastor. No, that's not how it works. The same faith that it took to become a pastor is the faith that that grandmother and that mother tried to put into that young man. And then that young man didn't evolve out of that faith to get to another kind of faith. That young man held on to that faith and even grew in that faith in order to fulfill the calling that God's uh, that God had for him. I want you to know this morning that it's not just the pastors, it's not just the church leaders that need that kind of faith that from a grandmother or a praying mother. It's, it's that person that goes to a secular job. It's that person that sits behind a desk. It's that person that is standing on the other side cleaning the desk that need the kind of faith that a mother and a praying grandmother can pass on to their kids and their grandkids. It's the kind of faith that you have that are right here, right now. The kind of faith that God is calling you to continue to share with your kids and your grandkids. You see, our, our job is not just to make a good child. That is not the purpose of the Christian parents, to make good children. The purpose of a Christian parent is to, is to grow and cultivate godly adults that are gonna serve in his house, that are gonna serve the community, and that are gonna go on to come back and honor the parents. But it can be kind of hard to do that. It's difficult to stay on point and to focus in and to lean in, especially through all the duties that a mother has. You know, I mentioned all the roles that a mother plays through the house, and I, I actually on the internet found the, uh, a company that, uh, that, that, that focuses their time and attention on salaries across all different types of jobs. And in honor of Mother's Day, they calculated how much uh, a mother should receive for an annual salary according to the time uh, that she spends and the types of jobs that she does. And fathers, you're going to be very upset whenever I tell you that she deserves $178,201. Oh, my goodness. And then you got a tip. I'm in trouble because I can't pay that kind of money for you, baby. <laughs> but I do know this. 
is that we appreciate and we're thankful because a mother does all of this not for the money, not for the thanks, but because she understands something very important, that her efforts are to invest into her children. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, direct your child onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Direct your child onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. Isn't it interesting whenever you come across a parent or a mom or a dad that say, well, I, I don't really want to tell my kids no. I don't want to spoil their creativity. I, I, I don't want to cause them to, uh, to, to, to grow, grow up concerned with things that they can't do. I want to give them all the options that they can have. And I just got to tell you something. That is not biblical. And that is not a good method. And this is not a, a good opportunity for you to experiment. Why would you leave your children to chance? Because I've got news for you, mom and dad. If you don't tell your children what to do and direct them like the Bible says, somebody else will. There are people out there that desire to direct your children in a way that you know is not good. Young people, there are things when you are a child and there was an oven right there and your mama and daddy said, no, don't touch it, it's hot. And you remember how it felt to touch that oven and you burn your hand and you went to your mom and you asked your mom to give your boo-boo a kiss because it was hot. That doesn't change through life. There are still things in your life that you don't understand, that you don't know, and that you need to listen to your parents and let your parents pour that wisdom into you so that you don't touch the things of this world that are hot and they see it coming and they're grieved by it. Listen to them, love them, respect them, and honor them because the oven is hot. Somebody say amen. Praise the Lord. Direct your kids into it. Secondly, Hannah was filled with love. That was her motivating factor in coming to prayer. She wanted a son so badly so that she could love and, and nurture and care for. She wanted a son so badly because she loved her husband. She wanted a son so badly because she believed that she could give the Lord back someone that would love him. That was a motivating factor, and I believe that you and I can honor the Lord with the love that we give to our children, especially the moms in the house. You see, because some people suggest that a mother's love is the most pure kind of love there is. As a matter of fact, there is no greater kind of love. John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus tells us that greater love has no man than this, that what? He would lay down his life for a friend. Now, I wonder if there's any mothers in the house that feel like they lay, have laid down their life for their children. They have given up their careers. They have given up their ambitions. They have given up so many opportunities because they love their children. I know that I have a mama that has uh, worked night shifts and two jobs and that has given up opportunities. And I know that I've met people and been in places and done things that my mom never had an opportunity to do, but she paved the way for me. Thank you, mama. I appreciate it. 
And I think that there's a lot of people in here that feel like that about their mothers, that they lay their life down in order to take care of their children. The truth is, is that there's a lot to worry about in this world. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter who you are. You got a lot to worry about. This world is not short of things to worry about. And if you're a mom or you're a parent, you start really worrying about that. You can multiply that out two or three times or as many times as you have kids. Right now, Claudia and I are severely worried that my child, uh, 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 Roman, will find something on the floor and he'll pick it up and eat it. It won't be good. And I got news for you. It's a founded concern. He's done it. What are you chewing on? Uh, we're, we're scared that our, our son, Crew, is going to run out in the middle of the road and get hit because he doesn't care and he's not scared of anything. That, that guy will jump off anything. That's crazy. I'm concerned that my son, is, my son Johnny's watching too much iPad, playing too many video games. I'm concerned that my daughter is not going to be able to, to find a, a friends that support and encourage her in her relationship with the Lord. As a matter of fact, there are so many concerns that we have, but, but somebody yesterday encouraged me with this. They said, chill out, relax. Worrying about your kids doesn't change ever. So just get comfortable with the worry. I said, no, don't, do, don't tell me that. It just changes over time. Problems with your kids change over time. As you mature, as your kids grow up, I've been told that you just start worrying about if they're gonna find a job if they're going to be able to afford their house, if they're going to marry a person that loves the Lord and serves the Lord with them. You get concerned about their well-being and their decisions. You get concerned that they're not going to come over for Thanksgiving one year. All these concerns begin to pile up. Life is not short on the amount of concerns that we can have. But I want you to know that God has not called us as Christians to live in that worry and that concern. I'm not saying that life doesn't give it to us, but I'm saying that life is, that God has called us to do something greater than worry. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter four, verse six tells us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You see, family, there, is, there are two things that we experience when we come to the Lord and we offer him, our worries and our concerns. The first thing is simply this, that you will receive a supernatural peace that transcends all that you're able to understand or even know when you come to the Lord and you give your cares and your concerns to him. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And that's what we're called to do, ladies and gentlemen, is to cast our cares and our concerns on him. But the second thing could be even a greater miracle than the peace that passes all understanding that is pushed into our hearts. A greater thing is this, that when we consistently cultivate an atmosphere and a culture of prayer within our homes, then something wonderful happens. Our children grow up in a home that is not 
fearful, that is not filled with anxieties or worries, but instead intuitively knows to go to the Lord in moments of trials and, and struggles and trust in the Lord. What a miracle, what a blessing, what a gift it is to our children that they never have to worry because we always taught them to go to the Lord in prayer. My goodness. You see, we need moms that pray like that over every care and every concern in our lives. And how many of you know that if you pray boldly to the Lord in these moments that you will experience miracles from time to time? Has anybody ever seen a miracle from a mama that prays over their life and their hearts? Oh my goodness. Miracles happen. And when miracles happen, we're called upon by the word of God to continue to share those miracles with our children. Psalms chapter, Psalm 78 verse four, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instruction to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. Their children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hopes anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. I wanna tell you something that God has called each and every one of us to pass our faith down to a new generation. The kind of love that is in our faith that is reflected, uh, that, that is to God must be reflected back into our children. And the reason why this is so important is because we are one one generation away from losing our faith in God. It's up to you, mom and dad. It's up to you, grandma and granddad. It's time to share your faith. Tell your testimony. Remind them of the blessing. Remind them of the miracle that God has done in your life. Help them to understand and see God from your perspective. I want you to know that I'm not perfect. I am not a perfect dad. And I'll tell you, the first people that tell you that are my wife and my children. As a matter of fact, I do my best to try to love them and teach them and train them in, in God's word. Uh, the other night, uh, my wife came to me and said, put these three kids to bed. I got Roman and make sure you read a Bible story to them. So I went back and I began to read a Bible story. The problem is, is that we've got a, a, a two-year-old there. We got a seven-year-old. We got a nine-year-old and it's all different age groups. I got so frustrated. I, I got in the middle of the Bible story. I just said, y'all go to bed. I don't, we're done. I'll have to give the altar call next, next night. But there's something about that compassionate love of, of a mother. Body is so good, she can take those kids in and she can begin to teach them and they all pay attention to her. And that's so wonderful. Our, our goal, what we're charged to do is pass on the word of God to our children. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15. But you must remain faithful to the things that you have been taught. You know they are true for you no, you can trust those who taught you. That's mom and dad. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have been given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that it comes from trusting in Christ Jesus. Mom and dad, I want to let you know that if you teach and train your kids, 
the word of God while they're young. It makes, them easy. it makes it easier later on in life to trust you. It makes it easier for them to find their way later on in life. You equip and you train your children in that word and they'll have a foundation that they can begin to walk on through the rest of their life. Finally, I wanna share with you this. Within the point, number two, that our purpose statement here at Christ's Legacy is simply find God, give hope, and what? Do life together. Mom, we admire you. We're so thankful for you. We appreciate all the dedication and the service that you provide for your family. But you can't do it alone. God has given you a beautiful community here at Christ's Legacy to lean on, to encourage you, to support you through each life challenge. We want you to know that we are here for you because God didn't intend for us to do it on our own. As a matter of fact, the truth is, is that God has given us to you as a tool, as a community to lean on. So I want you to know that you're not alone in, your, in, your, in raising your children, that you have us. Finally, I wanna share that there is a mother's dedication that is so important here. Hannah had real dedication. And as a matter of fact, she dedicated her child. When she had Samuel, she nursed him for several years. And then she was true to her commitment, to her dedication to the Lord. She brought him to serve God for the rest of his life. He took the Nazarite vow. He didn't cut his hair. There were other things in that vow. But I want you to know this, that there are a lot of challenges to passing on our faith to our children. A lot of challenges. One of the greatest fears a mother has and a family has is that you would raise your kid as best you can to grow and mature in the faith that they have in Christ. Then one day they go out on their own and they don't live for the Lord. As a matter of fact, maybe you're here this morning and your children are living far away from the Lord. And it grieves your heart and you're filled with so much sorrow. But I wanna remind you something, that your job is simply this to plant the seed and to water the seed. So keep planting and keep watering. And a matter of fact, Jesus, <clears throat> Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse seven tells us, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. It's what's important is that God makes the seed, what? Grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their hard work. Moms, we pray that God takes the seed in their life that you have planted so diligently, so faithfully. And God causes someone else to come now and begin to water that seed. The story's not over. It's not done. There's still time. God has a plan. He has a purpose. And that young person that you're praying for, God loves and is concerned about too. And he's working to make that happen. So keep praying. Keep loving. Love them into the kingdom, mom and dad, because God has a purpose for you. Perhaps God uses another mother somewhere to come alongside them. 
I've often heard this, that if you need something done, find a busy mom. Have you ever heard that? If you need something done and right, find a busy mom. That's impacted my, my view of ministry and how we do things. I think mothers and women in general are so important and integral into, into the aspect of every kind of aspect of ministry. As a matter of fact, a mother serves in every department at Christ's legacy and many of them direct departments here at Christ's legacy except for one our safety team. But if you're a mother that can throw down, you can be there too. <laughs> you're welcome on this place. Angie, you gotta wrestle him. <laughs> I wanna say thank you for serving at CLC and the dedication that you serve. Would you stand all with me all over this building? We wanna honor our mother. So if your mother is here, would you just go find her right now? If your grandmother's here, would you find them right now? Hold on to them. If there is a mother in this room that is mothering you but is not your mother, would you find them right now and adopt yourself into that family? Because we want to pray over you. We want to pray two very distinct things. We want to pray of course, that, that God would bless them, that God would give them strength to continue what he's called them into. But we want to pray that you would receive the challenge to love the Lord like your mother is praying for you to love the Lord. Amen? So let's just pray with our mothers right now. Heavenly Father, in these this sacred moment, Lord, where we choose to follow your word and honor our mothers this morning. I pray your heavy hand of blessing would be over each and every one of their lives. Lord, that as they continue to share their faith, their love, and their dedication with us, Lord, I pray that you would bless them and bless them indeed. Lord, bless them as they come. Lord, bless them as they go. Lord, bless everything that they lay their hand to, Lord, to do. Lord, I pray, God, that you would bless them with opportunities. I pray, God, that you would bless their finances, Lord. I pray, God, that you would bless them with a reciprocating love from us to them. And Father, I pray, God, that we would in turn be able to honor our mother. Lord, many of us this, this day are going to take our mothers to eat. Many of us are going to give gifts. Many of us are going to, to say nice things and treat our mothers nicely. But Lord, I pray that you would challenge each and every one of us to do more and go beyond that. Lord, and to honor them with the way that we live our life and reflect their love back to you. Lord, that we would love you in a genuine and real way that is not only pleasing to our mothers, but Lord, it is pleasing to you. Lord, take these things and have, let them have impact in their, our lives that we would be forever changed, never the same again. Father, I pray for each one of these members here at Christ's Legacy, our guests this morning. I pray, God, that we would be able to find you, give hope, and do life together. In Jesus' name, and everyone said,
Amen. Happy Mother's Day, everyone.